Do you know more about the Real Housewives than you do about your own family? Do you have strong opinions about Cody Brown's move to Flagstaff? I know I do. If that also sounds like you, then this is the podcast for all your reality TV pleasures. Recaps of episodes, reality TV gossip, and whatever I may feel like sprinkling in between. So come along with me, your host Catherine, on my adventures in reality TV. Hello everybody. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Holy moly, you guys came the fuck out to listen to my episode last week about Sister Wives and Cody's meltdown um, in front of all the wives. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I never imagined that I would have that kind of listening already. Um, Only less than three months of the podcast, so I started this at the end of August Yeah, so not even three months quite yet, and to already have reached a thousand total downloads is really crazy and so flattering and just makes me really, really, I think, genuinely happy. Is this this happiness we're feeling? Holy moly. Maybe I'm taking my medicine long enough now. (laughs) I genuinely am just really, really thankful. I love seeing the stats um, that Podbean gives me of like all the states in the U.S. where people are listening to me, the different countries. Um, it's just a very fun for a nerd, a data nerd like me. I love to see that type of stuff. I am still waiting out on a few more states, Alaska, Hawaii, I think some of the Dakotas. I'm waiting for you. You want to come listen to your girl from here. You know you want your sister wife's content. But yeah, just thank you so much. I'm glad people are finding the podcast, and I hope everybody's enjoying it. As you can see, you may have noticed, this week, we've got some better sound quality. I treated myself after um, seeing my increase in listens. I got myself a new little mic, so I think that will help with some of the sound quality issues that I've been having. And, you know, just step up the game a little bit here. But also, technology has improved so much, and you can get, like, really good quality... Um, podcasting microphones for not that expensive on the internet. So that's fun. (laughs) God bless the internet. Now in reality TV fun, um, I started watching a new show. Well, it's not technically a new show. It's been on Bravo for three seasons. It just started three seasons. Family Karma. Has anybody watched it before? Um, It follows a bunch of Indian Americans that live in Miami. And it's very multi-generational as Indian culture is, and pretty much all the younger people in the cast are, like, first-generation Indian Americans whose parents are all from India, and so they immigrated to Miami, and pretty much all grew up together, so all their parents are best friends, they're best friends, and it's very, very fun to watch. I actually started with the third season because I was like, eh, you know what, this is... I had heard of the show, I had heard that people actually really liked it and found that it was a good time, and so what I did was I just started with season three because it said my big fat Indian wedding, and it was a big wedding episode for Vishal and Richa, who are the like long-term engaged couple of the show, and let me tell you, it was a big fat Indian wedding. That was one of the funnest Bravo wedding episodes to watch. They split it over two episodes. Um, And I think they did it because, you know, traditional Indian weddings usually last multiple days with tons of different events. And, I mean, this was star. This 
not star studded, but I mean, they went all out. I'm curious how much a wedding like that costs. Like, anybody listening that is Indian or has been to an Indian wedding, maybe has knows somebody who spent money like that on an Indian wedding, but it was so gorgeous. I mean, the signs, the the tenting outside for the ceremony, the dancing, the music, the lights. Oh my God, it was like such a production um and made for really fun tv to watch i was almost like god damn it i want to have an indian wedding now (laughs) like this looks so fucking cool um but then from there i was like well i gotta start this show from the beginning because the family drama and the drama between the castmates is actually is pretty good it's good like what feels like organic drama um you know like there's drama between the in-laws of Vishal and Richa, who are the couple that are getting married. Vishal, um, pretty much his mother-in-law thinks he isn't shit because when him and his fiance, Richa, is it Richa? I should make sure I make sure. Vishal and Rika. No, it's Richa. It is Richa. When they got together, um, Vishal was in LA trying to get his foot in acting and it didn't work out. And pretty much Rich's mom was like, you ain't shit. (laughs) And in the Indian community, that's a very bad thing to have happen. Especially, you know, you don't want um, your future mother-in-law to be talking badly about your, you and your family. And there's a lot of interpersonal politics that go into it. Also, there's so much celebration, you know, like they're celebrating Diwali, which is like the Indian New Year. Um, You know, they're celebrating all of these different just like Hindu celebrations or different spiritual or cultural celebrations that are just, I mean, make for great Bravo spectating. Like the the fashion, the um, flashiness, just... It's a really, really good show. And all the cast seems to be pretty interesting. Like, you have, you know, the stereotypical guy who's the playboy who is trying to settle down now and trying to find the nice Indian girl. And then you have the nice Indian girl who's vegetarian and doesn't have sex and is, you know, just wants to study Indian dance. And then you have the other Indian girl who is older and isn't married yet and you know, that it, it's just, it's a good show. So I highly recommend you guys check out Family Karma on Bravo. I don't know if I'm going to, like, recap any of the episodes now that um, season three has premiered, but I, I may talk about it from here to there. I will say, if you like um, wedding episodes, like fun, flashy type of weddings on reality TV, this was a good one. Um, I also, <laughs> I actually really kind of liked their wedding hashtag. I hate wedding hashtags normally. I did not have one for mine because I hated it so fucking much. The idea of a a hashtag for me who literally means nothing. Um, But they had Vish Gets Rich, which I thought was very, very good. That was a good play on name. So, yeah. I Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't believe I'm talking this much about the show. It really, it's gotten me hooked. And I'm, like, halfway through season one now. So, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted. The other thing I wanted to talk about for a little bit before we get into new Sister Wife stuff was Love is Blind. <laughs> Remember that show? God, the season finale and the reunion came out a week and a half ago. I figured I would give people some time 
in case they were behind on any episodes. But um, now it's been a week and a half, so if you have not finished yet, uh, tough shit. You maybe shouldn't be so busy in your life and you should make more time for reality TV like the rest of us do. (laughs) So um, first of all, my predictions were five out of five for all of the couples. Thank you. Round of applause. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I could not believe that. I think my predictions last season, I was one out of five. So I'm pretty prompt about that. The jury is still out on Colleen and Matt getting divorced yet, but I'm going to hold on to my prediction that that will happen. Everybody's definition of shortly after is different, but I do not see them making it to two years. That's my final, my final bet. Um... But anyways, so the finale was, you know, all the weddings and stuff. And really, it's all just a bunch of build up to make us feel like, oh, my God, will they? Won't they? Oh, they think they seem really confident that they're going to say yes. Oh, they seem like they're going to say yes. Oh, are they? Oh, maybe not. They seem really unsure. And then you have to wait to the last minute and they don't. Um, So just as we expected... Alexa and Brennan, the perfect couple, they did get married. There was really, I think at the end of the second to last season, they were trying to make us think that maybe they weren't going to, or maybe they were starting to have second, um, like second guess themselves. But I think that was all just like editing play because they said, yes, I do. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And they were all good to go. And even when they got to the reunion, they were pretty boring as well. Like, they don't have much to say about any exciting things that have had. Like, they don't seem to fight very often, which is good. I mean, to healthily married couples, really, you don't want to be fighting all the time. That's not a good thing. And uh, I don't think Brennan has converted to Judaism yet. But Alexa, you know, doesn't seem to really care that much about that. So I think they're just enjoying life. And you can tell Brennan is definitely now... When he was in the reunion, it was like, and we'll get into this when we talk about like um, Bartice and Cole and stuff like that. But Brennan has definitely, I think his mind has been blown sexually in bed and he does not want to piss Alexa off and lose that. <laughs> I'll put it up. You could tell Brennan has had a finger up his butthole or something and he his mind's been blown since. And whatever Alexa says goes now. So God bless her. Uh, besides that, I don't, I mean, Alexa plays in a little bit later into the reunion when she's, like, defending the other girls, but really in terms of them, like, as a couple, that was pretty much it. They're pretty boring, I have to say. Like I said, though, that's a good thing. And then we get into SK and Raven, and I think as many people kind of expected, they got back together. And, of course, Vanessa, I was like, did Vanessa not know this already? Because she acted, like, so surprised when they told her. And then she's like, oh, my gosh. And then you guys are the farthest away on the couch. What? How did that happen? It's like, really? No producer knew this yet? (laughs) Um, I guess when the reunion was filmed, SK was still living in California finishing up his MBA. So they aren't living together, but they're doing the long distance thing. Now, leaving my viewership of the reunion last week, 
I thought to myself, SK and Raven are my number one couple, I think. I think in terms of, uh, like, who I like together the most, who seems the most interesting, slash probably healthiest, besides Lex and Brennan. Um, it seemed like they were really mature about the whole deciding not to get married thing, but actually do love each other. And they're going to do the whole, you know, long distance and, and date thing. I also found it funny. This was another thing with Vanessa. She was like so dramatic about the scene. So before um, SK and Raven's wedding, SK's mom comes in and helps Raven put on her head wrap that she's wearing for the wedding ceremony. And Raven's family is not there at the wedding. They do not want to take part in anything with this. And so it's a really special moment between SK's mom and Raven for them to kind of bond together. And Vanessa, of course, needs to make it all about her. And she's like, when I saw that, my heart sank to the floor. It was like, oh my God, calm down, Vanessa. It's just a fucking fake wedding for a TV show. It, you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, Vanessa was so moved by this. However, like I was saying before, re well, until yesterday, SK and Raven left the show to me feeling like a no one of my number one couples. And I was hoping they would work out. However, some recent TikToks have surfaced from, from an account called Hannah Beth Style. And it has a lot of receipts, uh, including pictures with dates and text message exchanges between her and SK. And what she's claiming is that they started dating in 2019 and went to like boyfriend, girlfriend status. They went to weddings together, trips together, birthday celebrations. Um, she shows pictures of them together. She shows them um, planning trips together, text exchanges. And then she claims that in 2021, she and him went to Ibiza together. And that's when they flew. She asked to send pictures of herself on his phone to her phone. And he saw, and that's where she saw that he had a contact named fiance in his phone. And he explained it to her that he went on Love is Blind and did it for the money and so that he could, you know, get some fame or something. So I'm not understanding where... So if you guys were boyfriend and girlfriend, did you guys break up and then he went on Love is Blind so he didn't, like, know where he was for six weeks, eight weeks? Like, because Love is Blind is a long process of filming. Um, I'm also thinking to myself, what did... Have, has she met SK's mom? Because wouldn't SK's mom say, what about that girl that's wearing all that she in and Fashion Nova you've been bringing around? Who? I, I, I mean, and I don't know, because this girl does have a lot of pictures and it has dates. Because then she's saying, um, oh, they broke up mutually and then remained friends. And then, oh God, I'm so confused. Okay, so he invites her to go to Ibiza in 2021. Um, and there, they're, like, taking flirty pictures. They're being cute. So it seems like maybe they're kind of being hot stuff together. And 
then that's where she finds the fiance stuff. I flew back to Madrid. I asked to see his phone to send pictures of myself. And then I waited to confront him because I was trying to wrap my head around. Uh, yeah, and that's when he told me it was for the Love is Blind show, but they just did it for the money. Uh, she didn't believe him 100%, but he never gave her a reason not to. So they extended their trip from Ibiza and went to London. Um, and then she found Raven on Instagram and saw that he liked a bunch of her pictures. And so then they were waiting outside for an Uber one day and looked, she saw on SK's phone a notification from Raven coming up that had a screenshot of the girl's Instagram porch, uh, profile saying, who is this? Oh my God, this is so much. So let's just be real. Probably SK had a girlfriend uh, that he was banging around with. Maybe that wasn't together with him when he went on Love is Blind. Um, But then maybe he fucked around with when he came home from Love is Blind. Who knows? Also, uh, from the sounds of it, SK is a traveling machine. How does he have time for school? How does this man make the money to do all this? I want to know. I guess he could afford to pay for Raven's apartment if she's not living there. If you're buying plane tickets and traveling to Ibiza, then London to Madrid, and ay ay ay, all of that suffices to say. I guess SK and Raven aren't my favorite anymore. <laughs> um. All right, let's move on to the last three couples who are complete trash bags, like always. First off, let's start with Nancy and Bartiz. Uh, I can't believe that Nancy said yes to this man. Get some fucking dignity, girl. I wanted to ru- I wanted to root on Nancy. I wanted to like her. But after listening to Bartise tell her he was like goo goo gaga over Raven, after listening to Bartise say that he was not physically attracted to her anymore after her d- upsetting his sister, because of her views on abortion. Um, because he is upset about her boyfriend being too involved in her properties and stuff like that. This woman still was like, no, with all my heart, I say I do. I do. And then what does Bartiz say? Nah, I can't. He's the one that gets to say no. And... I, I mean, my respect for Nancy went down the fucking tubes when it was like, you had the, uh, you, you could have made this your moment and said, no, fuck you, Bartise, I'm choosing me. But instead, fucking Zeneb gets that moment and she doesn't deserve it, damn it. Well, I can't, I don't want to say that, but Nancy, we're rooting for you, damn it. And then this is what you fucking do. <sighs> Anyways, thankfully they just ended up not getting married and Nancy, like, kind of redeems herself in the end when she was like, no, we're done. You didn't want to marry me, so there's no, like, we're not going back to dating, which Bartise, I think, was hoping would be the case. Um, But the big thing about their wedding is that, you know, Bartise says no. Nancy kind of, like, goes into stone face, like, perseverance mode. And they go out and talk about it. And Nancy's mom keeps wanting to remember the bails bond, bail bondsman woman, bail bonds woman. <laughs> uh, she's kind of wanting to keep popping her head in there and like give her opinion and stuff. And Nancy's like, mom, go away, mom. 
And then, of course, it has to become about Nancy's brother, Stephen. And, you know, she's... Nancy's mom is like, you were right, Stephen. You were right. And Stephen is like, I didn't want to be right. I didn't want to be. And they eventually get into Bartise's face, too. And <laughs> Bartise is just an asshole, too. He's like, you think you're helping the situation at all? It's like, this shouldn't be anything about what her brothers are doing. Like, you're in love with her, not her fucking brothers. Like, it wasn't your wedding to him. Um, but, yeah, thankfully Nancy had some sense to her afterwards and told Bartise, like, no, we're not going to try this again. Like, you're a fucking dummy. And at the reunion, Bartise shows up with a puffball on his head for a hairstyle. Nancy, that was too bad. I I don't know what it is with the girls that they, like, all of the dark-haired girls on the show, they always want to get highlights done before these reunions and I don't know what it was with Nancy her dress mixed with her highlights it looked very prommy to me or something and like uh, almost like a metallic gold disco ball look she was going it was is not great I mean not that I probably would have showed up looking any better but um it wasn't great and I'm probably was feeling biased towards her look because she was a fucking flop to me saying yes to Bartiz like that let's let's be real um, but of course, Bartise, you know, he's reflecting back on the stuff about him. They show the scene back of him telling Nancy in bed about how, you know, attracted he is to Raven. And, you know, are you okay with me being that honest about that, being that honest with you? As Nancy's like zooted out of her fucking mind listening to him say this. Um, and then Bartise at one point, they're like, oh, do you have any regrets? And He's sitting there saying while he was watching the wedding scene back, he, knowing what was going to happen, he was still being like, say I do, say I do. It's like, okay, fuck you, Barty. Like, oh, really? That's how you feel? Um, the one thing I didn't like is like, I, I feel like Barty should have gotten a lot more smoke for just the shitty stuff he said this season and just how much, like, he sucked and... I think at one point I've been hearing a bunch of rumors or like, did I miss this in the episode that he texted a picture of Nancy to his friends and his friends were like, oh, gross. And like called her ugly, essentially. Like that's fucked up. And Bartise is 25 and he still has friends that do that type of shit. Like what a, oh, that's man child type of shit. And you shouldn't marry people who have friends like that and like engage in that type of behavior, Nancy. But you said yes to him. Okay. So, yeah, I am so glad Nancy and Bartisan end up together. I would have liked to see Bartis get his ass chewed out a little bit more. Um, especially just because, like, we saw last year, or last season, Vanessa really, like, gave it to Shake, and he deserved it. So, where was where was that heat for Bartise? You know? You're so moved by fucking... What's her tell? SK, SK's mom and Raven together. Like, why weren't you moved by the fact that Bartise was calling Raven hot in the bed that he was just fucking Nancy in? Vanessa. Anyways. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to see Bartise on my screen anymore. Except for after the altar, which I'm sure he's going to be a fucking idiot on that. Oh, and then the other thing, too, is they brought up um, 
according to Instagram stories, like three days after the wedding, Bartice already had like a blonde girl like hanging all over him and stuff like that and sitting on his lap at the club. And then Bartice just goes right into saying like, well, we did end up having sex on the 4th of July on a boat. And it was like, well, no one asked for that. And then turned it into this whole, like, I'm not here to talk about my sex life. It was like, well, you just gave the date and location. And, like, whether you were on water, land, or in air, that you had sex with this woman that we saw on your, you know, this blonde woman on your Instagram story. So, you're the one talking about your sex life, sir. They were just bringing up this other girl that you were with three days later. Mm-mm-mm. Sneaky Bartice. Now let's get into... The hostage victim, Colleen, and uh, Tweedle Drunk, Matt, their body language during this whole reunion. Um, well, for one thing, I don't think either of them were ever sure whether or not they were going to get married until the moment where just some word came out of their mouth. And like I mentioned in episodes before when I was talking about this season, I think for both of them, it was insert man slash woman here. And I will say yes, because I just feel like being married is how I'm supposed to exist in this world. I I truly don't think they have thought much more about it than that, but who knows? <laughs> uh, they seem, they come off, they're trying to come off like they're very secure and it was the, the correct decision. All I'm seeing during this is Matt is like suffocating Colleen with his body language on that couch. You know, of course, they want the married couples to sit really close together and, you know, obviously have their arm around each other. You know, the guy had their arm around the girl and, you know, they want to seem all lovey-dovey. Matt, it felt like he was literally going to consume Colleen the way he was just, like, leaning into her and having his arm around her. And you can tell the difference. Like, Alexa and Brennan felt much more comfortable, much more, like, Brennan had his arm around Alexa. They felt snuggled, but also kind of, like, their own person. Matt and Colleen, it was suffocating looking, to be frank. Um, Everybody, of course, online was like, Colleen looks like a hostage situation, like a hostage. She looks terrified. That's domestic violence. Who knows? I mean, it's kind of, it's problematic to call that stuff out when you don't know for certain. It's problematic to just look at that stuff and say, oh, that's nothing. Who knows? However, they started playing the old clips of the pool party, you know, but the classic clip of her and Cole talking at the pool party and talking about how in the quote real world they would go for each other and the second that clip is mentioned during the reunion Colleen looks like she saw a ghost and you could tell she is automatically so nervous and so like anxious to go back and over that look at that clip again and I don't know why maybe it was because she's just nervous to be on camera again I don't think that's the case because she didn't seem that nervous to be on camera during all of the other season, during the rest of the season. So I'm like, <laughs> it's hard not to just be like, oh my God, she's probably scared of how like Matt's going to freak out after filming or something like that. And then she went on to her Instagram afterwards and claimed that, you know, she had let a lot of the comments online get to her. And so she had shown a lot of her anxiety and just like wasn't her best self. I don't know. Maybe she took one too many Xanaxes and was kind of like freaking out. 
I don't know, but I don't see it lasting. And a big thing that they mentioned, and that also I was kind of like, maybe this is good you have your own space, is that they haven't moved into a place together yet. And I guess they were mentioning these things about, like, Matt had just started a lease, and then Colleen had roommates still that she was with, so she didn't want to screw them. And I'm like, hon, it's called subletting. Um, I'm sure your four ballerina girlfriends that you're living with have some other single ballerina girl that could come and take the spot. Or what you do is you pay your rent to your roommates and then go stay with Matt at Matt's place. Because why would you swap back and forth between staying at each other's places when you have roommates and he doesn't? Like, I would prefer to stay at my husband's house that has no roommates as opposed to my apartment with roommates. Like, and if you're pa- you're planning to pay the, the rent anyways, just pay it. Or like I said, fucking sublet that bitch. And... A lot of people are like, well, it's a good thing that she still has a place so that, you know, in case this shit does get scary and she does need to leave Matt, she has a place to go, which I do agree with. And also leads me to my assumption that they probably aren't going to last, which I kind of hope they don't. I mean, this idea that, like, Matt is somehow, like, this better man because of Colleen and somehow he is, like, her her boulder as he said like as she calls him i uh, i don't know it's just weird and the way her body language and just the way that like when that clip played and her face just kind of went <gasps> it's like oh god this is scary like someone check her blood pressure yeah <laughs> yeah prayers up for you colleen now let's get to debella de balls the cuties of the ball shall i say um Cole and Zenib. Wow. I feel like um, that kid in the meme of the at the football game, and he's like, not going to lie, I thought they had us in the first half. That was Zenib. She almost got me. You know, I, I was kind of feeling down on myself for giving Zenib shit, and I was like, oh, you know, Catherine, look back on yourself. Why do you feel so critical of Zenib? Why do you need her to have such a more higher self-esteem than what she has? And I, I, I kind of reflected back on what I thought. Um, and during the wedding, Zenib comes off beforehand like she's very confident that she's going to marry Cole. Um, Cole seems very confident that they are going to get married. And I'm like, this is where I'm like, how the fuck do these people not, like, the night before sit down and, like, or like talk on the phone like okay what the fuck you are saying yes correct like are we saying no are you saying no what the fuck are we doing here okay um i almost felt it was a little planned on nancy's part just because of the way she responded to bartice saying no i almost thought like oh she knew this was coming that's why she's reacting i maybe she's just good at keeping a stone cold you know face when she needs to stay strong and not cry or something but um with Cole and Zenib, I was like, shit, I feel like they were really on the same page going into this. And then Zenib just dropped this thing of like, no, you have so, like single-handedly destroyed my self-confidence. And I'm so angry that I let you do that. And, you know, she went into this whole monologue about how um, Cole disrespected her and just leaves him at the altar. And her friends clap for her, applaud her as she leaves. And... 
I mean, it wasn't the most tasteful thing. Uh, it definitely wasn't I choose myself, like Deep D said. But it made good TV. You know, you can't lie with it. You can't lie about that. It made great TV. Now, that wasn't so bad. I think most people are like, yeah, that was a little too much Zenib, but fine. You know, like, it's good you chose yourself, that type of thing. However, the confidence timing is a little weird because it's like, I, I she had this whole season where she's coming off so insecure and so negative about herself and her appearance and so passive aggressive and just like toxic but then comes off like in the reunion that oh she's so confident and so forgiving and such a better person she was able to just forgive Cole for all of those things and making her feel that way in the moment at the altar and it's like Zenith we watched you on this show you are not the person to just forget and forgive somebody right there in the moment we know that <laughs> um and so, at the reunion, Zenib goes on and says that Cole kissed a girl the night before um, the wedding or at their bachelor party, and Brennan tries to kind of, like, back this up and say that that did happen. Um, I don't know what Brennan has against Cole, and I'm not trying to defend Cole necessarily. I think Cole's an idiot. I don't think him and Zenib should have ended up getting married for sure because they both seemed like they hated each other. <laughs> However, um, Brennan claims that, oh, yeah, there were some girls that were talking to Cole and Cole, like, gave, got one of their number or something like that. However, Cole then says, Brennan, how do you remember this? Like, what, what happened then? Give me some more information. And Brennan just says, I don't know, man. I had, like, 20 beers or something. I had, like, 20 shots. It was like, then shut up, Brennan. What the fuck? You say you don't remember something, but then again, you also say that Cole got his a number from somebody? And then all of the other guys play dumb, whether it's guy code, whatever the fuck they're doing. And of course, the women are just like, oh no, you guys definitely went somewhere. You definitely went somewhere. I know you guys are always going out afterwards and probably some club or something. And all of the guys are like, no, we got an Ubers and went home. Like, we didn't go, to, like, there were no girls around. And Cole is even like, oh, you guys went on fucking bachelor party and had dicks swung around in your face all night. We went to a fucking rodeo, which also was kind of stupid. They were, like, chasing calves around or something. Like, okay, yeehaw. Um, but yeah, so Zenib essentially is accusing Cole of going out with, you know, the guys, getting a girl's number, kissing another girl, and telling Zenib about it before the wedding. Um, and Cole is like, what the fuck? This never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. And what's kind of funny is at one point, you know, Cole is like, that's crazy. You sound crazy. And the cast is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't sound, don't say crazy. And he's like, okay, that sounds insane. And they're like, don't say insane. And he's like, all right, you're lying then. <laughs> he's like, I don't know what else to say except you're flat out lying then. I mean, I think he just should have said that instead of crazy, just to begin with. Because from what it sounds like, Zenib, I guess, was making all of this up. Like, I, does Netflix have footage of this? Like, where were the cameras? If if Cole is, like, kissing a girl and, like, asking for someone's number, uh, where are the Netflix cameras to pull, to, you know, show this stuff? That's one thing I will have faith in with reality TV is that, 
usually the cameras will be up to show people being their worst. You know, like, whatever story they're trying to push or something on a reality TV show, what they are always going to try and get is people being their worst on TV. And it goes to show later on when we see the cuties clip between Zeneb and Cole that, like, (laughs) I think if they had some really bad footage of Cole doing the things that Zeneb is accusing him of, they probably would have showed it. I mean, they showed him calling her bipolar, um, the shit with Colleen and stuff like that. I'm like, I think they would have shown this. Uh, But then again, I don't... You know, perception is everything. Everybody's feelings and how they react to things are differently. Um, So anyways, yeah. And then after this whole girlfriend... Or the, the kissing a girl and getting her number and stuff... Zenim goes on to say that um, all during the, the time that they had dated, Cole was shaming her, body shaming her, and, like, he would push food away from her. Whenever they would go out to eat, he would, like, say that she should order a salad and stuff. And then they bring up the cuties situation, where apparently, according to Zenib, she was eating those two little cutie, like, the little tiny clementines. And I guess two is a serving size. And... Um, she made it out to be that Cole was asking her, oh, you know, how many of those are you going to eat? And she said two, it's a serving size. And she said that Cole said, oh, you need to save your appetite. And like, oh, you shouldn't be eating so much and trying to shame her into not eating these little cuties or something. And Zena makes it out to be the like, oh, Netflix could have made you look a lot worse, but they just didn't show the footage. And Cole is, at that point, he's just like, what the fuck? Like, show the footage. Tell me what the fuck is going on. I am so confused by this right now. And essentially, that's what Netflix did. Netflix is like, all right, we got the footage. And it is nothing like how Zenib explained it. I mean, it was so... Frankly, I can see why they didn't put it in the show, because it's kind of boring. Like... They're sitting and talking about planning, this is the cuties clip that they play at the end of the reunion, um, and it shows Zenim and Cole are talking in their shared little apartment thing about planning wedding festivities over in England, because I guess Zenib's mom lives in England, and she has a bunch of family over there. And Zenib is actually being, like, really, she's, like, brushing Cole off and kind of just being nasty about it and, like, oh, nobody's gonna want to come and, yeah, whatever, we can plan that type of stuff. And she takes out her cuties and starts peeling them and Cole is over there, I think she has, like, a bowl of cherries or something and, like, snacking on them with her and they're just chatting, like, having a very monotonous couple conversation that you would do when you're just standing around your kitchen shooting the shit talking about plans family whatever and Cole is saying um oh I'm so excited for dinner the place that we're going tonight you know you better save your appetite and says oh you're gonna eat two of those and she said yeah is that all right and she's like I haven't had anything except a banana and a scoop of peanut butter today and Cole asks like well why and um Zeneb says oh probably for reasons but I shouldn't tell you and it's like well what the fuck does that mean and then Cole is saying like well I offered you a poke bowl and stuff and so Cole is even saying on camera he offered her food and then she's like well I didn't want that because we had that last night and 
so what Cole is saying is essentially like, oh, we're having dinner tonight at this big, you know, like save your appetite. This place is, you know, has really big portions. Like a very common thing for people to say before you go out to dinner or something like that. And I guess what, you know, Zeneb perceived that as is, you know, he was telling her to watch what she eats and, you know, don't eat too much or something. Again, I... I don't want to, like, say, oh, Zenib, you're wrong. You're making this all up. Um, I think maybe if anybody said anything to Zenib, she probably could have misinterpreted it as an attack or making her feel bad or ashamed because when you feel like shit about yourself, anything makes you feel like shit about yourself. Like, plain and simple, as someone who has felt like shit about myself, I can attest to that. So I, I don't think if it was Cole, if it was Matt, if it was somebody else that said anything to her... Um, she probably would have felt full of shame and uncomfortable about herself, whatever it is, you know? Um, what I do find interesting, though, is that, like, she acts like she's so above all of this and that she forgave Cole immediately, like I said. And once this clip came out and everybody started seeing how much, how she was kind of full of shit about this whole cuties thing, she turned her comments off and posted this thing and I'll read all about it. Oh, she changed. Oh, she took it off. That's funny. When it first came out, it was like, I'm sorry you don't have the same triggers as me. I'm sorry you weren't in the same relationship with me. I'm sorry that you are a keyboard warrior and you hate me. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but now it just says one thing about me. I choose my words carefully and I stand by everything I said. And her comments are still off. Interesting. But um, the first part that she didn't change is, I guess, like an apology to Cole, even though she doesn't say sorry. And she says, Cole, I fought for us until I couldn't anymore. I know you know that. I know you know why I said what I said. I know you know what you did. It's okay if you aren't ready to talk about that yet. Zay. But then it's like a bunch of pictures of like them all lovey-dovey together and like, I'm, re I'm just really confused. And I don't want to say, I'm not trying to say like, oh, women that act all lovey-dovey with their spouses or their partners can't be abused or something. I'm not trying to say that at all because that is not the case. Like, I don't think, oh, if a woman posts a loving picture with her husband that there's no way she could be abused or something. Or, you know, that a man couldn't say something terrible and make their wife feel like shit or something like that. Um... But I'm not quite sure what the image, and now this is interesting because as of a few days ago, when I heard a podcast talking about this, they read her post and they had the full thing going in it. Oh my God, I think I had taken a screenshot of it a few days ago. Maybe I'll, I'll have to find that. But now the whole part of like, I'm sorry you weren't in the relationship. I'm sorry you don't know my triggers. I'm sorry you don't have the same issues as I do. And like, very self-righteous of like, how dare you call me online type of thing. Um, is what it felt like. But, <laughs> I don't know. Zenob, you got your 15 minutes, girl. We'll see you at love after the altar. Or after the altar, whatever it is. I'm just happy I got five out of five out of this. Can you fucking believe it? Five out of five for your girl. I should go to the, the casino with those types of odds. I swear to God. Oh my God, we're already at 45 minutes and I'm just now finishing up with Love is Blind. Woo! It's going to be an extra long podcast episode with this nice new mic. I'm telling you guys. 
<laughs> so yeah, let's get into now some sister wives stuff. Christine is saying her goodbyes this uh, episode, and it is a cringe fest. Holy shit. Thanks to McKelty. Uh, I don't think we've seen in a long time how annoying McKelty can be and, like, actually how much, like, she doesn't have a lot of common sense about stuff. <laughs> and that, with this whole, like, forcing a goodbye between Cody and Robin and the kids and Christine was just, oh, bad move, kid. Bad move. So this episode starts off with um, Janelle and Christine meeting up back again after Cody's blow up. This is a few days, I guess, after the whole conversation went down. And remember, Cody had his, you know, knife in the kidneys monologue and storms off. And then so does Robin and Mary. And, you know, that weird ending to that. And Janelle is essentially saying she was really shocked by Cody's anger and, um... You know, Christine is saying that it was just a very terrible conversation, as we can see. And, um, you know, essentially they just come to the terms like, yeah, Cody fucking lost it. And they show a flashback of Cody's monologue again. And, you know, remember Cody's main point throughout that whole thing was that um, Christine never tried to have good relationships with the sister wives. He really meant never tried to have a good relationship with Robin, Um, and Christine says that, like, you know, she sure maybe never tried to have a great relationship with Robin, but she never said that she never mistreated Robin or was actually mean to her by any way. So Cody saying that was pretty unfounded in her opinion. I could see that. I mean, Christine definitely, I don't think Christine's a mean person. I definitely could see Christine not trying with Robin, probably around the cameras, you know, she did for a while, because I think that's what they all did with each other. I mean, shit, for a long time, we thought Mary and Janelle had a good relationship with each other, and then it turned out, oh no, they fucking hate each other. So, you know. (laughs) Um, And, of course, pretty much everyone has said this at some point, that they know Cody's been agitated, and yeah, pretty much all came out at Christine in that conversation. Um, you know, pretty much nothing comes out of this conversation except that Christine says she realized after telling Robin and Mary that she, you know, doesn't really want to fuck with them anymore, that, uh, Robin probably assumed that also meant for her kids as well. And so I guess that made Christine feel bad. And, you know, she's not quite sure how to come back from that. I, Give it time, I'd say. You know, move to Utah. Give it time. The kids will get older, and they'll have some shitty things happen to them in relationships, and they'll realize, oh, okay, maybe this wasn't about me. Um, Maybe they'll leave Robin's home one day and learn to not take everything so goddamn personally like Robin has taught them to. God, I swear, later on in the episode when they show up to, like, say goodbye to Christine, those girls, Robin's oldest girls... I swear they've been trained to look like the saddest puppy dogs in every situation. It's it's troubling, frankly. Um, and yeah, Robin confirms that when she was talking to Christine last, that she was including her kids and, you know, just more poor Robin, poor Robin. She's done nothing wrong here. Um, you know, and essentially Janelle and Christine are like, yeah, things are changing, but... We'll just keep in touch with each other and just focus on our common things. They actually even say, Janelle says that, um, you know, there have been times in the past where they've both said really harsh things to each other to Cody 
or harsh things about each other to Cody. I'm like, what did Janelle and Christina have issues with? I want to know. Like, what was that shit going on? I mean, we know the stuff with Mary and, you know, we know that Christine has always been jealous of Robin and stuff like that. Like, what's the Janelle and Mary tea? Let's spill it, baby. Um, But yeah, so at this point, Christine says, you know, I think we're more than just, you know, on the same page. I'd say that we're best friends. And we don't hear Janelle's response, but Christine says in a talking head immediately after that that she feels like, she's like, I don't know, is that correct for me to call her that? And I'm like, that's kind of sad that after, like, spending 25 years, like, and you have a very close relationship with this woman that you don't know if it's correct to call her best friend or not. I mean, I would assume that Janelle reciprocates that feeling. I would hope she does because they seem like they would be best friends i mean what else would you consider them now after this point but whatever uh and then we hear cody you know has been dying for janelle and christine to have a good relationship for many years and it seems like to him that now that christine is leaving him they now have the good relationship and of course in cody's mind that means janelle is taking christine's side in all this because if you ain't with cody you're against him (laughs) Um, then we get Eeyore, aka Mary in a talking head, who is not in this episode barely at all. Um, you know, and she says there's some days that she's mad at Christine, and then, of course, she does not consider her a sister wife anymore, and hilariously, she says it's because they aren't married to the same guy anymore. And I'm like, well, neither of you are married to the same guy anymore, so you aren't a sister wife with Janelle or Robin anymore. Remember, Mary? Because about two episodes ago, that man with the curly girl method in his hair said that he doesn't consider himself married to you anymore, honey. So you're a divorcee. Sorry. Hate to say it. So you're not a sister wife either, Mary. Shut up. <laughs> um, you know, and, and at this point, they just, Janelle and Christine back in the conversation are like, yeah, we shouldn't pick sides. Whatever. Like, it was a pretty boring conversation between the two of them. Uh, and then also, well, this is the last part between it. Christine, um, is explaining to Janelle that ever since Truly found out about the divorce, every week Cody has been asking Truly to get COVID tested and then come and spend the weekend at Robin's house. And Truly ends up only lasting a few hours and then she wants to go home, probably because she's not used to spending that much time over at Robin's house and with Cody and all of Robin's kids the entire time. So she probably goes for a few hours and then is like, all right, I'm 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 good to like go back to my normal home with my mom who like takes care of me every day. But then we also find out that um, Truly's never spent a night away from Christine. I'm like, Truly's like 11. I I mean, I don't know. I guess with COVID, maybe it's been a few years, perhaps. But I'm like, I don't know. It's a little weird to me, but I'm going to keep my judgment to myself about children. That's not nice, Catherine. Don't judge kids. <laughs> and Because, yeah, um, and it comes up because Janelle asks Christine, like, oh, do you think she'll come and spend summers here and stuff? And Christine's like, I mean, she can, but I don't think she's going to want to. Like, she doesn't even want to spend a weekend yet with Cody. So that will be interesting. I also have to point out that um, Gwendolyn has started a Patreon. So I suggest if you guys want to, you should send, it's like five bucks a month and 
Gwendolyn's making some like behind the scenes videos, like reacting to episodes, giving her kind of like behind the scenes opinions. And the first episode she came out with was really good. And it was only like 10 minutes or so, but had some pretty good insight. And in it, she had said that like, uh, there is still no room made up at Cody's house for truly. And, um, she kind of made this funny point of like, well, there's no room made up for Truly because Truly lives in Utah. <laughs> it was like, oh, I see what you did there. Um, anyways, and then during, okay, so back into the episode, this I thought was really funny too. While um, Christine is talking about, you know, Truly not really having, spending time with Cody and all this stuff, we see footage of, you know, the bonding time that Truly and Cody have had together, shoveling snow. And Truly looks so thrilled. She looks like she's having a ball in that footage. Like, oh my god. How sad. That's the only footage they can find together. Or the time that Cody was trying to teach Truly to ride a bike and she refused because it was her body, her choice. Our feminist icon, Truly. <laughs> um, then Janelle asks Christine if she'll ever remarry. And Christine jokes like, oh, Cody? No. But another man, yes. <laughs> and... You know, Christine just makes a point like, you know, what do you do when you're 50 and healthy? Like, you can't be alone forever. And Janelle's just being nosy, she says. So, of course, she's going to ask. And, of course, Janelle hopes that she likes the guy. I think she will. Uh, imagine this. I see this in about mm, three years. Christine and Janelle double dating. And we'll see them on a date at a nice sushi restaurant outside of Salt Lake City, maybe, with, like, two ex-Mormon guys um, in their mid to late 50s. I could see this. That's what I'm going to project. Give it three to 3.5 years, and I could see that for sure. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much the, the conversation ends. Uh, Janelle and Christine are going on that, like, Christine's life is going to be totally different, yada, yada, yada. And then we get a talking head to wrap, wrap, to wrap, to wrap this scene up. And Cody finally admits, like, he's been fighting his feelings of anger about the divorce instead of just feeling them. It's like, good job, Therapy 101, buddy. You got it there. God. Cody is, like, the emotional intelligence of a fucking peanut. I can't with him sometimes. Um... Now off to the RV, and Cody is back there help, helping Janelle level this fucking thing again. And, you know, in Cody's mind, even though this divorce is going on, he's still got to make the time and, you know, build his relationships, especially a place for him and Janelle, because we are supposed to be convinced that he spends any time at that RV. So, like I said, he's trying to level this goddamn RV again. I, who... I guess, I mean, I've never really stayed in that many RVs. I've gone camping in an RV before. It wasn't my RV. But um, I didn't realize how much you have to fucking level these things. But apparently it's like Janelle's having daily issues with it. But to Cody's credit, or Cody gives her the credit that she has a good uh, attitude throughout it. So, you know, as long as she isn't bitching too much, <laughs> Cody's happy. Um, and then I guess also to... We find out that if the RV isn't level, then, like, the sewage tank can spill over, and... Ugh, that sounds like a mess. That's just... And it looks like Flagstaff gets a lot of rain, and, like, they have that dirt underneath the... It just... God, that seems like a mess to have to deal with all that type of stuff, but... Okay. Um, so... 
Cody says that, you know, when him and Janelle are interacting about the RV, they, you know, they aren't keeping sweet with each other, as the FLDS would say. And he, Cody does not know why they aren't being cooperative with each other and why it's so antagonistic. He has no idea. Why could this be happening? Um, and it's really funny in a moment we catch Cody. Cody drops a lot of S-bombs this episode. He says shit a lot this episode. He's naughty, naughty. Cody's now a divorced man, so he swears a lot more. You can tell. He's kind of got that, you know, he's rugged. He's seen some shit. He's battled. He's battered. He's torn. He can swear now. Maybe he'll, like, smoke an occasional cigarette or something. Mm, bad boy, Cody. <laughs> um, I shouldn't, oh, I'd never want to say those three words that come out of my mouth. Bad boy, Cody. <laughs> Catherine, stop it. Um, then, uh, Cody calls the trailer a piece of shit lemon. And he thinks that it just won't stay lemon and, and stay lemon, stay leveled. And, you know, they just bought a piece of shit. I thought that was a very funny, honest moment coming out of Cody. So then in a talking head, Cody pretty much says him and Janelle have not been realistic or honest about their real, the relationship and the conversations they're having within it. Um, because again, he needs to remind us that Janelle bought this trailer without really talking to him about it. And it was a very sizable purchase. Again, I'm like fully convinced that rv is probably like 100k at most or at, at least like brand new those rvs are expensive um and then cody even begins to claim that janelle never even looked at rentals before buying the rv um because he knows that rvs or that rentals were around so why wasn't he doing anything why wasn't he sending her links to that like to the things that he was finding why wasn't he helping her set up viewing so he didn't have to be there he could at least been like helping her plan him if he's so steadfast against her being in an rv hmm of course janelle disagrees with cody's claims and pretty much what we've heard her say before is that she's definitely mentioned this to cody and he just wasn't listening because usually he isn't listening and even if he is around um he's really not fully present with them anyways and he's probably involved with something going on in robin's house let's be real um uh pretty much this is when janelle brings up that uh since she has to move off of her current spot on the land soon because of their permit type of shit she's thinking well fuck this rv for now for the winter let's uh, go find a rental in town for six months and I'm just, I had to laugh when this happened because you know Cody is, boy, Cody probably wanted to scream his fucking head off when she asked. And I can't blame him for this, but I also say, Janelle, there's never going to be a fucking house built. Stop waiting for that house to be built on Coyote Pass because it's not going to happen. You know, she thought that they were going to have electricity and a building permit for this casita thing that she wants to buy, wants to be built by the end of the year. That's not going to happen. So she wants to spend the winter in an actual insulated home with electricity. Go figure. And uh, I guess she's expecting that in the spring she can come back out onto the land on the RV and it will be more progressed it's like uh that's there's not ever gonna be a fucking house on that land janelle i'm pretty sure janelle still lives in a house in town in flagstaff i'm pretty sure ay 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 i 
just sell that fucking RV and cut your loss. <laughs> Splitting. Go get a rental house. And like, um, of course, when Janelle brings this up, Cody immediately is like, so why are we in this RV? He should say, why are you in this RV? Um, but Cody, Janelle is pretty much just like, you know, I've been out here for, and gotten a lot done in four months. I don't know what that lot done she means. What does that mean? Have they paid off the property more? Because that seems to be like the biggest roadblock for all of this is that they haven't paid off the property to do any construction to have a building permit. But I guess if they're months out from a building permit, maybe they are close. I'm so confused. Anyways, Cody, um, because he's sent from God, he gets the RV leveled just in the nick of time before the rain comes. So thank God for him. Thank Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, whoever it is that graced us with Cody Brown. So, um, you know, Janelle just essentially comes down to, like, Cody is not happy about this plan. I don't think he's happy regardless of what anything Janelle does, and Janelle says that too. Like, you know, he was mad that she bought the RV. Now she wants to get a rental, and he's mad about that. Um, because Cody's not going to be there regardless. He lives with Robin. It doesn't matter if you live in town in a rental or in the RV. Cody's not going to be there regardless. So, like, whatever. Bye. <laughs> And, you know, Janelle boils it down to essentially, like, she did what she had to do. Maybe she didn't wait around and consult Cody as much and wait for him to make the final decision. But if she did wait around for him, the decision probably wouldn't have been made already. So, yeah, <laughs> she's not wrong about that. Like, it's very obvious Cody likes to drag his fucking feet about this type of stuff because it doesn't really affect him. So, yeah. Um, Then we get a very clearly rehearsed conversation between between Christine and Truly, and Christine essentially is telling Truly, like, oh, we're moving in a week, and Truly's like, okay, bye. So I guess McKelty found a place for Christine, and they're able to move sooner. Um, so McKelty and Tony, that fucking asshole, are coming to help them move. And again, like, Christine is sad she's taking Truly from Cody, like she said a million times. Like, I, this is the repetitive part of sister wives where it's kind of like yes okay we know you're sad about truly leaving we know that cody is angry blah blah okay move on move on um but yeah essentially truly's just like okay we're leaving in a week i didn't realize it was so soon but what else do i have to say here <laughs> so of course mckelty and tony are back in flagstaff to help christine move but first they have to spend a day coddling Robin's feelings and making sure that she knows she's still loved and considered mom um, outside in the distance, you know, even in the rain, which I'm like, this baby is out in the rain. Go inside, you fucking idiots. Like, this is August 2021. Go inside. Get a fucking vaccine and go inside. Like, this whole thing of like, oh, we need to be outside for COVID safety and like making Saul and Ari change their clothes and shit. It's like, stop being weirdos and just do the right thing and get vaccinated. Cody. Yeah, I'm looking at you. Um, you know, Robin is loving on the baby, all that type of shit. And, you know, McKelty and Tony are close to Robin. And Tony claims that uh, Robin was the only one that accepted their relationship at first because he wasn't polygamist. And I'm like, hmm, is that some shade I see being thrown at the other wives there? 
Um, and like McKelty tries to play it off like, no, that's not how it was exactly. And Tony just is his typical, see, this is the old Tony coming out that kind of snarky ass, like, I just want to be a dick type of thing and talk some shit. Tony is coming out. Yeah, we saw it a little bit here. Um, so Robin, of course, says, you know, she needs to do a check in with McKelty and essentially to know that McKelty doesn't think Robin is evil and that she still loves her. I mean, Robin was her former employer, after all. Remember when she used to nanny Robin's kids before Cody and Robin got married? And oh my God, these kids have been so parentified. It's fucked up. So in the conversation um, with Robin, Cody then shows up and Robin wants to make sure they're good and, you know, it's not affected and, you know, Christine and McKelty, you know, Christine's relationship isn't affecting McKelty and Robin's relationship. You know, it's, it's between them two. We don't need to have the other relationships affect ours, you know, that type of shit. Um, and then Cody chimes in and it's like, well, I think all my relationships have been changed uh, regardless of everybody else's. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're a dick. <laughs> so... This is when Cody really starts probing McKelty and Tony about how long they've known uh, that Christine has wanted to leave. And McKelty kind of is like, yeah, they've been talking about it for a while. We've we've known for a while. But she also plays it off to Cody like, you know, it's like anybody would. She's told us about the ups and downs, the highs and the lows of the relationship. I think what McKelty is trying to make it out to be is that Christine is has definitely bitched about Cody a lot and has expressed her unhappiness a lot to McKelty. And even Tony has makes a point to say like, yeah, it was, it was kind of a low year for her. She wasn't in a great place. And in a talking head, again, like I said, Cody was dropping a lot of S bombs here. He says that he can't shit talk Christine in front of the kids. Um, and he knows he shouldn't shit talk her, but he has that urge but, you know, Cody's a saint, and he knows that's not fair. And he's just playing the blame game and trying to figure out how long they've known about Christine leaving. That is, like, the biggest bug up Cody's ass, for sure, is, like, trying to figure out the timeline of when everyone knew that she wanted to leave him. Because he is, like, so mad that he was the last one to find out. But I'm like, actually, truly was the last one to find out, if we want to be honest. So, like... Really, he isn't the last one. So, um, yeah, McKelty, I think, just pretty much tells him, like, hey, uh, we knew for a while, like, it, she wasn't very happy. And then Cody, back in a talking, said, talking head, says, he's just so angry he wants to break something. <laughs> do you think Cody needs to go to a rage room? No, that's terrifying. We do not need Cody in a rage room. Oh, imagine that man actually letting all of his full rage out. And like, I feel like that stabbing in the kidney was like a very small glimpse into the terrifying rage that could be Cody Brown. I really do. I, oh, that's dark. I don't even want to think about that anymore. Okay, so back to trying to make sure Cody feels good about not being the last one to find out. McKelty makes a point to Cody that, like, he's going to be the last to know this type, during these types of things. I think she's trying to make the point, like, oh, you know, of course, if someone's leaving their husband, they're going to tell their mother first, or maybe their friends or something, and then the husband will know. And 
Cody doesn't really buy that. He's like, what? And so Tony, he like kind of cleans it up and, and he knows how to kind of talk like Neanderthal to Cody. And he's like, let's just say you weren't the first to know and you weren't the last. And I would say that's probably the truest thing because like I said, truly was the last to know. So, you know, Cody was somewhere in the middle-ish end. How about that? <laughs> so um, then in a talking head with McKelty and Tony, McKelty says she... Like, her dad has had to know for a while they weren't in a good position. And Tony plays it off like, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't realize it. Which is not surprising coming from Tony. Like, Tony gives me big, like, what? I'm just here. Something's wrong. Energy. Ugh, go away. Fucking Jabba the Hutt over there. Oh, that was mean. I didn't mean that. Sorry. Whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, this scene just continues with, McKelty continuing to like coddle Robin's feelings and that like you know she tells her she still considers her mom and that she's still grandma and you know my former employer (laughs) and you know in a talking head Saint Robin explains that she's coming to terms with Christine not wanting a relationship with her right now and you know she doesn't understand why it seems so you know Robin plays it off like, I just don't understand why someone wouldn't want a relationship with their ex-husband's wife that he favors. <laughs> I just don't understand. Or my kids that he spends way more time with than yours. <laughs> Anyways. So, the next day, the moving truck is at Christine's and they are ready to pack up. Gwendolyn shows up, um, I think just to say hi, because I don't see her pack anything up. But... We hear in a talking head that she said they think she says that they should have split up well before moving to Las Vegas. Wow, that says a lot. I'm excited for more of Gwendolyn's Patreon. I want to know more of what she thinks about all this. It's very interesting. Um, And pretty much we see that Christine has a lot of shit. McKelty confirms that as well. And, you know... She's getting excited that they're all going to live close together. Christine is excited about that, too. And then McKelty feels the need to, like, have Christine go through the empty house again to have her, like, get, like, re-upset about the master suite being empty and pretty much how she's closing, like, a major chapter of her life. McKelty is, like, all about re-traumatizing Christine this episode. She's, like, pressing all of this type of shit to be like, Look, Mom, you're moving on. Look it, but we're still a family, right? Come on, Mom. Look it. The house is empty. Like, it's it's weird. McKelty's, like, insertion of... And, like, pressing of all this type of shit for Christine to do, but whatever. Um... You know, and Christine's going to be very close to her family again, like her sisters, her mom, her dad, you know, Aspen and all of the other people that are in Utah. That's great. So then this is where it gets pretty weird. And McKelty, I think, oversteps quite a bit. And she asks Christine if any of the family is going to come over for a goodbye or like a social distance breakfast. Then she makes this weird comment. Are they are we going to go throw toilets on their yard? I think she was maybe trying to say a TLC clean version of, like, are we going to go take a shit on their yards or something? And, like, Christine chuckles when she says that, which makes me believe, like, 
is there more juicy tea that Christina spilt to McKelty, but McKelty just plays it off like, oh no, my relationship with Robin is perfect. I, we're totally 100% separate. Because <laughs> that's how McKelty plays it off. And I'm just like, there is absolutely no way that you can be completely 100% compartmentalized between, okay, I love my mom. And Christine is amazing. I love you, Mama. You're the best, Baba. But I also love Robin. And she is perfect. And nothing can ever affect the way I, like, it's bizarre. McKelty is a bizarre person. I think we forgot that for a little bit because McKelty wasn't, like, really this much in an episode for a long time. But now she shows up in, like, her weird fucking affect and, like, pushing for this goodbye. And it's just, it's like, go Go back to SLC. Go away. We don't want you back, McKelty. Of all the older kids, I'm like, nah, you ain't it. Give us give us Leon. Give us fucking Logan back. I, I don't want you, McKelty. Anyways, <laughs> so um, McKelty is wondering, you know, if anyone's going to say goodbye to Christine. And Christine just says no. And McKelty really starts, like, pressing about this and wants, essentially is, like, wants Christine to want everyone to come and say goodbye and Christine is like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, if you want to get a hold of people to come say bye, then fine. But like, I'm not forcing anybody. And it's very obvious Christine has made it out to be like, look, they know what I'm leaving. They know where I live. If they want to say goodbye, they can, but I'm not inviting them to come over. And McKelty flat out just says, well, like, I want to. Like, she wants to pressure them to come in. And you know, McKelty says she knows Christine is upset with her pushing for people to come say goodbye, but also McKelty thinks that they're all going to regret it if they don't, which I'm like, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> like, and McKelty in some way thinks that, like, this can be a moment the family, like, Robin and Cody will look back on and be proud or happy? It's like, okay, McKelty, you weirdo. Like, I think what it is, is McKelty knows she's making some TV. She's got that producer bone in her because she's been on this show for a while. It's been 17 seasons. She's seen these cameras around. She's probably been on the Reddit pages when we've all were bitching about the boring season. So maybe I'll throw her a bone there and say that she was giving us some good TV. But otherwise, besides that, this wasn't it. This was not it. And poor Christine later on in the episode, like... I, I don't know what McKelty thought that she was trying to push or what. I, it's just like, God, you're such a fucking weirdo. This is not how this is supposed to go. Um, but yeah, so McKelty thinks that this will repair the relationship since she hasn't been around to see falling apart for the last two years. Because it's like, I understand your intentions to make sure the kids in Flagstaff have a relationship with Christine, or maybe they still feel like one big family, but, like, I don't think it's Christine's primary concern that, um, the kids feel connected to her right now, McKelty, so let's maybe save it for another day. So anyways, Robin, Cody, and the kids actually do show up, um, except Dayton. Where's Dayton been? Dayton's the oldest of Robin's kids, and... I heard that he got an apartment of his own, which, good for him. I'm glad he can get out of that fucking Bates Motel goddamn house with Robin and Cody. Um, because, yeah, I... The second that Robin's daughters can get out of there, too, that would be good. So, anyways, they show up to Christine's house to say goodbye. Um, Robin was saying, of course, she didn't at first plan to say goodbye because 
Christine set up her boundaries and said, yeah, I'm moving. I don't really want to be close right now. But of course, McKelty called and said, you got to come over. So they were like, okay, they're there. And, um, you know, I, you can tell as they walk through, it's like they're walking to a death march or something. And they all stand outside because they're still doing their COVID safe stuff while everybody else is inside at Christine's. This is August 2021, September 2021, something like that. And these people are still doing their whole like, oh, six feet apart. Don't do It's like, go get your fucking vaccine. Like I said, I do say it does make for some good TV because it shows kind of like the distance between the two families. You know, like you have Christine and Robin, uh, Christine and Janelle's kids, and then Cody with Robin and Robin's kids. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. Um, again, it's raining. It's raining this entire episode in all of the scenes that we see. And the kids and Cody are standing outside, not under the porch for some fucking reason, but Cody is like, I'm leaving in five minutes. And then comes up to the window and yells like, Hey, we're outside. Let's go. So then they come outside and they all start doing their like really weird, awkward goodbyes. Cody even says in a talking head, he's like, I don't want to be here. This is so awkward. And he's like making it about like, oh, because of all the work he put into his family over these years, like this feels demeaning. And, you know, he's like, bless McKelty's heart that she wants to like affirm that the family is still a family. But um, he also feels like he never wants to see Christine again. And he doesn't want to deal with this at all. So yeah, he's probably just like, God damn it, McKelty. Why the fuck did you do this? Then Gabe shows up to say goodbye, and what's funny is he show, he goes right up and gives a hug to McKelty and Christine, but we don't see him, like, really say hi to Robin or anything like that. Maybe it was just an editing choice, but um, then Gabe in a talking head says that he's not upset Christine is leaving Cody. He's upset that Christine's moving, and that if, she, if he was in the same position as Christine, he would probably leave Cody, too. <laughs> Gabe hates Cody. Remember, Gabe is one of Janelle's sons, um, and him and Cody really got into it last season about uh, COVID and all that type of stuff, but he does not fuck with Cody anymore. That's very obvious. So um, then again, the only other time we hear from Mary, because, oh yeah, remember Mary? She's not here. We hear her in a talking head, and she pretty much says that she was out of town at the B&B, and uh, she pretty much knows that Christine doesn't fuck with her anymore, so why would she come and say goodbye to her? And I don't think you were missed, Mary. Sorry. <laughs> and did McKelty not call her? Maybe? I'm probably... It's funny. McKelty didn't feel a, a need to go t- take a, a tour to Mary's house to say hello when she was in town, only to Robin's. <laughs> um, and so now it's starting to rain. We got McKelty and Tony and Christine and Janelle standing kind of on one side and you know, they're kind of like, uh, okay, well, thanks for coming. And, and McKelty is saying in a talking head, like, this is so awkward. It's so obvious. Nobody wants to be here. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. We could have told you that from the fucking beginning, but you kept pressing. Oh, everyone has to say goodbye to you, mom. Weirdo. Um, and this is where it really gets cringy. And poor Truly, she's like trying to play with Saul and Ari and like Cody calls her over and is like, oh, you excited to move? You excited? And truly kind of like looks at the camera and is like, yeah. And then Cody's like, well, you 
where's your smiles about it? No smiles, huh? And Truly's like, okay. And just like runs off again. Like probably the most awkward moment of her life being like a camera's in front of you. All of your family is around like essentially saying goodbye to your mom and you that are leaving your dad. And your dad's like, you excited to move? So, of course, they're standing in their two groups, and this is when McKelty feels compelled to speak, and uh, at this moment, I'm like, I went into a fugue state of, like, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. I was cringing so hard, because it was like, McKelty, this is not for you to say. This isn't for you. Stop. Just stop. Like, in my mind, I was like Michael Scott in the, like, no! No! Because... McKelty's making it all about like oh we should be so grateful we can be family and we're here together and stuff and it's like McKelty you have not been fucking around to see these conversations Christine doesn't give a fuck if she still feels like a family with Cody anymore like like Cody and Robin do not give a fuck if they feel like a family with with Christine anymore like uh, this whole thing McKelty's going on of like you know it's so we're grateful that we can be here together and do all this yada, yada, yada. And it was like the longest ramble of my life. I was like, make it stop, stop. And of course, Janelle's like, oh, you said exactly what was on my heart. And I'm like, I wanted you to shut up. If I were Christine, I would have been like, stop, please leave all of you. And then this becomes even the worst thing. Like, They start saying goodbye. Robin's family is like, all right, we're gonna leave. And Ari pops out from behind Robin's legs Oh, this is so awkward. And she goes, why are you and my dad breaking up? And Christine, very, like, kid-friendly, explains it like, oh, we aren't really in love anymore, sweetie. And that happens sometimes, and it's okay. And, you know, Ari, like, the little simple-minded child she is, is like, have dates! And, you know, people are like, (laughs) and they're like, oh, well, you know, sometimes we tried that, blah, blah, blah. They played off and... Ari again in her little like demonic gremlin voice is like have dates and you know when I was a kid my mom would just tell me to shut the fuck up when I asked things that weren't my business um but I guess nowadays it's cute when kids do that or my mom would like pull on my elbow in this weird way to be like shut your fuck like pinch me on the elbow to be like quit talking like an asshole I guess Ari doesn't have that switch, does she? I have a, I find it very hard to believe that Robin is like, Ari, could you watch your fucking mouth and what you say? <laughs> um, and then, weirdly, Cody only gives a hug to Truly, but no one else in Robin's family can. It's like, Cody's getting back into the car with you guys. He's going to the same house. He's breathing the same air soon. Like, just let Truly hug all of you guys. Like... Robin's daughters are all standing there, too, with, like, their best beaker face, like, saddest fucking, like, and you know Robin probably was like, all right, you need to put your saddest fucking faces on when we get in front of those cameras, damn it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, in a talking head, Christine says that all she can see is just that, like, they're all mad at her and stuff like that, and Robin then plays it off like, no, they aren't angry at her. They're the innocent parties in all of this, and it's just, it's just devastating. It's just devastating. Um, And then this is the hard part. And this is where I, like, really am like, man, fuck you, McKelty. Like, this wasn't needed. 
Because Christine, you know, she's like, thanks guys for coming. Thanks, thanks. And then starts breaking down because she's like, this fucking hurts. This sucks. This is awkward. I don't want to do this. And Janelle comes over and consoles her and stuff as she's standing there. And then, you know, Robin and Cody and the kids leave. And in a talking head, Christine says, like, she did not need this goodbye. Which we all knew. Like, and McKelty should have known. You fucking selfish weirdo. Like, and... Christine goes on to say it went worse than she thought and maybe McKelty needed it and maybe it was good for Truly to say goodbye, but like Christine did not need it. And, you know, to that I say good going, McKelty. Good fucking going. She said, Christine says she thinks this is probably the worst goodbye that she's ever witnessed. Um, And it's very interesting. The last shot is, you know, when the families are separating is all of Janelle's family that's there goes back into the house with Christine's kids and her family and then Cody and Robin and their kids go off and leave into the cars and it's and it's this perfect clip and separation or picture of the separation of the family it really is I mean it's just the two families going in completely opposite directions and there really is two sides and like as much as McKelty wants to blabber on in some sermon in the middle of the rain to these people like, oh, we should be grateful we can all be here together and this is such an awful time. And it's like, sh- no, these families are split the fuck up, McKelty. Your goodbye tour or whatever the fuck it is you're trying to do is just not working. <laughs> like, and, you know, Christine, she says it like she says it at the end of the episode, like she didn't need it. Wasn't necessary, honey. Um, You know, and yes, it made for good tension on TV, but it was also cringy as fuck. Especially that part with Ari. And Ari being like, have dates! It's like, oh, God, no. you Make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. And then, yeah, like with the whole hugging thing, like Ari and Saul couldn't go and just give Truly a fucking quick hug. Like, she's moving out of state. Just let the... I think the minuscule risk of your kids giving a two-second hug to Truly, who's probably COVID negative because she's been around a bunch of other people who are COVID negative, like, let them just say goodbye. But that's how the episode ends, and we are, yeah, next week, Christine's off, and uh, now Janelle needs to find another house to live in because this RV fucking sucks, like we see (laughs) And yeah, we're trucking along, baby. It's, it's, Sister Wives is in full swing. I don't know how many episodes we're going to get this season. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see it. What even episode is this? I know this is episode 13 of the podcast, but what episode of Sister, I should probably figure that out. Anyways, that's a, that's a post-editing problem for me to figure out. That was fun. Um, we're almost an hour and a half in. God damn. Thanks for listening again. Thank you for finding me this past week. I hope if you liked my past episode, you're back now and continue listening. I hope you enjoyed the Love is Blind stuff. Um, I'm going to be trying to come up with some more things to talk about. I know I got to get back on Real Housewives. Just following Sister Wives and Love is Blind and just some other things that I kind of like to casually talk about um, is time consuming enough for me. So I'm trying to work on my time management to get this stuff popping, to get more things I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll go from there. But for now, I will talk to you guys soon. Um, for my American listeners, I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. 
Um, I hope everybody stays safe. And, you know, if you're having family issues or something, take care of yourself. It's not easy during the holidays, I know. So with that being said, be good to one another. Don't be an asshole. Bye. (laughs) This has been a production of See Money Entertainment. Follow us on Instagram at Adventures in Reality TV or on Twitter at Advent in Reality.